live, live from Universal Studios Hollywood in beautiful Los Angeles, California. ToadHopNetwork.com. Radio worth watching. Radio worth watching. This is Vox Populi. Vox Populi. The voice of the occasionally interested people. A political talk show for people who don't spend a lot of time talking politics. The only agenda. Understand, inform, and entertain. Now, here's your host, Sean Astin. Are you sure? Let me take a deep breath. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Vox Populi, voice of the occasionally interested people. My name is Sean Astin, and I continue to be your host. It has been uh, quite a, a couple weeks for me. A lot of, uh, lot of travel. I was up in Toronto doing uh, uh, a couple of episodes of a TV show called The Alphas on Sci-Fi, which just premiered its second episode, and I'm on towards the end of the season. So we had Comic-Con. And we were uh, we had a, a live outdoor screening that uh, free outdoor screening that Warner Brothers put together for the Goonies on, on the, the Friday night, I guess. And I'm going to be in the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle uh, animated television series on Nickelodeon, premiering at the end of uh, I think it's the third week of September. So we had a lot of fun with that. And then uh, I was signing autographs, and we had panels, and it was uh, it was it was really fun. I was in the Profiles in History booth. They've got all this great um, movie memorabilia, and and uh, they had uh, Willy Wonka's uh, Gene Gene uh, Wilder's costume, the original. They had the Marlon Brando original costume from uh, from from uh, Superman. Jarrell Jarrell was there. No elections on Krypton. Uh, okay, so, uh, but now I'm back. I did a couple of remote shows, and uh, which is, I always, I love it when Gint, when we when were able to pull that off. But now I am back in the studio. I'm home, ladies and gentlemen. Here we are, Universal Studios City Walk, the John Lovitz, Lovitz Comedy Club, the third floor, this very sexy radio booth. And we're about to talk about something that is as close to my heart as anything I talk about in the public space. Um, so I am, I always think the episode we're doing is the, the best episode ever, but this one's definitely my favorite, uh, so far. We have a, a, an interview coming up with Admiral Foyle, uh, formerly of the, uh, the Orlando Magic, uh, just an ex, what a, what an amazing, Human beings. So we've got a, a good extended interview with him coming up where we're going to talk all about the nature of elections. Are they free? Are they fair? Um, where, where does he come from in the islands and what does he think? Well, how's he working to help, uh, America and American democracy and, and American young people get, uh, into the system? That's, I had so much, uh, sort of hope for that and it really is just exciting. And then, uh, and then I really am hoping that you crazy viewer listeners will take the time to call because you never know who else is listening. You never know. I, I think I have about 3,000 people who are listening to this right now or will click in and, and, uh, and download it in the next couple of weeks. So I'm not, you know, I'm not 40 million people. I'm not, uh, the, or, you know, the Super Bowl or anything or the last episode of Friends. But we've got people listening to this show and we've had a really, really good Twitter dialogue going on. Uh, people have opinions. They're funny. 
People are very funny, you know. Uh, I didn't hear any, like, you know, dog catcher election jokes, but I'm sure those are, are coming. So I'm hoping that uh, the at Sean Aston crowd, of which there are nearly 40,000 card-carrying members. Ooh, that's an election thing. Do you have to have a card to carry to be a follower of at Sean Aston on Twitter? No, you don't. You do not. You just have to have a Twitter account. Wait, do you have to provide ID for that? I don't know. You have to have a security number. Anyway, and for the at host Vox Populi, a uh, very serious crowd, thank you very much for joining us again. I uh, I love you to death. You are my reason for being. It's the only PR, other than uh, when Frank uh, and Heidi are kind enough to intro the show. I don't think any of the other shows, maybe they do. I'm going to be on one of the other guys, uh, the movie shows, uh, the Schmoes show, uh, coming up in a week or two. And, and uh, so I think we'll do a little cross-promotion there. But the, the that's it. The promos for the show have, have to do with Twitter. That was my conceit with getting ready to do this. And it's working a little. We have a few thousand people listening. And so if you call in and you express your opinion, by the way, you should be scared. If you have an opinion that's not good, you will be shot. Uh, with a camera, uh, a closed circuit camera, and it'll be no, it'll be on the internet. Your your uh, your image, your likeness, your persona, everything about you. If you express an opinion that is not good, will be. Uh, you know, why I say that again is because I talk to so many people, and they say people are afraid to call in, and I think why? Why are they afraid to call in? And then I remember that public speaking is. Uh, what's, what's the first, something is the first fear of, uh, the, the greatest fear people have, like of falling or something like that. And the second greatest fear people have is of speaking in public. But you're not in public. Lie. Tell me a different name. I'd just love to hear the sound of your voice. And you may know things I don't know. I mean, I'm really, really interested in this show. And by the way, we're on summer hours, so we're doing an hour show. But I've talked them into letting me go longer because the Adnal interview is so good it went on and on. And then the uh, there's some stuff I want to talk about that's going to go for a little bit. And then I'm really hoping we can get in a dynamic exchange. For example, I think Bush, President George W. Bush, actually, in fact, won the election in 2000. I think he won the popular vote. I think that he uh, that the that if all the votes would have been counted in Florida, he would have won by a hundred thousand. Now, hopefully, the three thousand people listening to this show right now are going what? What? That's outrageous! And the people who were in charge of the uh, the Bush v. Gore Supreme Court case are like, well, if we would have known that, we wouldn't have had a. Hmm. But uh, what is the truth? The truth is. Um, I, I suppose what we all agree that it is. And that's my big first point about elections. And that is that they require some degree, somewhere, of trust in one another, in our fellow men, women, and children. Uh, because they're conducted by human beings, and human beings are frail. And, um, and that's... Uh, you know, I've, I've experimented with this. You know, there, there's a um, there's a lot of ways to get at this, but I thought I would start by reading something that I just love. It's actually something that the Tea Party, I think it's it's what they love to quote. I, mean, I haven't been to any Tea Party rallies, but I think this is one of the things they love to quote. But I I look at it as the underpinnings of why it's important to pay attention to not just. Um, how we vote, um, and why we vote, but, uh, well, no, not just why, why we vote, but how we vote. How we vote is really important because it affects 
<sighs> Everything. Okay. This comes from a little-known document called the Declaration of Independence. And the Declaration of, uh, of Independence was, uh, was, was uh, I don't know if it was written, it was published July 4th, 1776. We hold these truths, I'm just reading a little piece of it. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. That to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men and women, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed. Now, uh, oh, hold on. Yeah, this is where it gets really good. That whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, destructive of people's life, their liberty, or their pursuit of happiness, I don't know that we're there yet, it is the right, capitalized, of the people to alter or to abolish it. Uh-oh. Read Revolution. Nonviolent. And to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem... Uh, seems like a pretty good idea to me. I don't know. Most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Holy mackerel. There's some words in there. Uh, there's some words in there that are pretty, pretty interesting. Likely is maybe my favorite in this reading of it. That you can start, you can overthrow the government and you can put in a new government. One that you think is likely to do better than the one you just got rid of. So the founding fathers were terrified in some measure of the people of mob mentality of mob rule so we the people of the united states we don't want to have too much power immediately because they may be rash or they may do things that in their judgment the mob the people the public uh, are not in the ultimate best interest of the country uh-oh totalitarianism dictatorships the electoral college is some evidence of this uh, senators, two from each state, evidence of this. Lots of ways to kind of cool things off a little bit, slow things down a little bit, don't let the public just get out there and flip things over. Congress is fantastic. Every two years, you're out of here. Love them. Hate them. It's exhausting because in order to run a campaign every two years, you got to keep raising money. Oof, we'll talk about that later. Um, and so how do we, how do we do it? You know, I, I, um, 2000 is the watershed moment in my life, in all of our lifetimes, maybe even since the revolution, that presidential politics, presidential elections, the election of a, you know, the free and fair election of the president of the United States has, uh, was really called into question. Um, I remember having such bizarre out there thoughts like, well, Clinton shouldn't yield the newt codes. Because it wasn't fair. The Supreme Court was wrong. Yeah, listen to the Supreme Court, sure, but they're wrong. It's totally rigged. This is my panicky liberal side playing itself out of my mind. Uh, so, you know, and, and say, let's do a redo. This guy won more. It's the other guy's brothers, the, you know, running the state where it's all Michigan up and, and just do a redo. And then I started thinking about, like, what would be the most symbolic way? To have an election 
where the people could be absolutely certain beyond any doubt that the will of the people was expressed. What would be a great way to do that? <laughs> I had this. I was on peyote at the time. No, I wasn't really. Uh, w- but we were in New Zealand, which resonates at a different frequency. At least it was on the volcano when we were shooting Mount Doom. But anyhow, I had this image of the. This is not a practical thing. This is this is symbolism in my mind. But the image came into my mind of the Mojave Desert and a long line of cars. You know. 20 million deep, stretching over, I don't know how many days you'd have to do it so that it was survivable by people. And separated by a mile was big, uh, two, were two big glass containers, like the kind you see, uh, you know, oil drums or something like that, just big, you know, big containers, clear. And every voter gets issued a poker chip with their name on it. It is delivered to them, no matter where they are. If you're 18 years of old, 18 years of age or older, and you uh, are not a felon, and you are a citizen of the United States, you get issued one of these, and you go to the desert, and you there's a a, a, a ramp up on each side, and and you you take a tram, and then you get out, and then you walk the last few steps, and you throw your chip into the big container, and then we can all sit back and watch which container is filling up faster. And at the end of it, you kind of go, now if it's closer, you can have people count the chips, I suppose. But my mind was like, you know, I guess elections are supposed to be, you know, there's a privilege of keeping it private so that, you, that you're free from uh, any fear of reprisal for who your vote is cast for. Um, so there's a, there's a lot of things. But it was when that... And I made sure, by the way, that my wife and I, we had our absentee ballots Federal Express from Wellington, New Zealand, to my dad's condo in West Los Angeles. And on election day, I called him on his cell phone. He drove over the hill, meaning over the, the, uh, the, uh, over the San Fernando, into the San Fernando Valley. It's called the hill here in Los Angeles. And hand-delivered our absentee ballots to our polling place. Such that when I saw Tipper Gore two years later, I said, hey, it's not our fault, man. We got our vote in. But when finally the Bush v. Gore decision came down from the Supreme Court, I actually – we have a good couple of calls coming in here, so we'll jump in in a second. But we – I was – you know, hung on every – it's hard to get American news. The internet wasn't as great as it was. You know, back in 2000, it wasn't so perfect like it is today. But um, uh, I followed as best I could. And then when the, elect, when, when the decision came down, I printed out all 67 pages of it, 64, 69 pages, whatever it was. Printed it out and read every last letter – comma, space, semicolon of that decision, of both the uh, of both the majority decision and the dissenting decision. And I don't think I'd ever really read a Supreme Court decision before. And I came away from my reading of this um, report with one simple, clear belief in my gut, in my core, and it hasn't been challenged yet. I'm open to being challenged, but it hasn't been challenged yet. We're going to go to the phones in a second. It's political. (laughs) The law is political. Hold on. Outrageous. The law is free from that. It is not. 
those justices had an opinion of what they wanted and they found arguments to defend their opinion. This is what I believe. And they all made really good cases. What are you going to do? So I guess it depends on who you elect president because they're going to put somebody in the Supreme Court and the things that hang in the balance are war, um, uh, health care, everything, you know, I'm trying to think of things that we know immediately affect us, but everything is affected by who we elect president and who they appoint to the Supreme Court. All right, we're going to go to my old friend Brett for the first uh, moment. He's got a meeting he's running to. Hold on. Brett, how you doing, buddy? How's it going, sir? Shoot. Well, uh, Linda and I have been going back and forth on this all week. I'm sure you've seen. You guys have had a great, for the audience that's listening, uh, Linda is my intrepid chronicler, and you are a blood-loyal fan and friend of the show, and you guys are always good at stoking the fire of whatever topic I bring up, but I've really enjoyed uh, this one on election law because and elections because uh, it's it's included. Other people have jumped jumped in a, a little bit more this time than others. But go ahead, let's let's hear what you have to say. Let me tell you, 140 characters is really inadequate. <laughs> <laughs> well, type a treatise and then attach it as a link. Yeah, that's what I need to do. Um, to be honest, uh, I I I strongly feel that uh, uh, that you should have to present some sort form of identification. Uh, in order to vote in this country at any level, um, and I and I don't buy into the idea that uh, uh, that it uh, is prohibitively expensive and can't be done, and it's blocking people from voting uh, in you order don't? to require this. I, I don't buy into it at all. It's it's. I think it's I've a ever... fact that in some case, I'm going to read something to you. Okay. Uh, that somebody, um, my brother, pulled up a. Uh... No, let me Your see. brother rocks, by the way. My brother rocks. Isn't he great? Didn't he do great on his show? Yeah, awesome job. Um, let me. I started following him immediately. <laughs> you did? He hasn't, he hasn't tweeted. Because he's, well, right. Well, he's working now. I think he's doing something. Good for him. Good for him. Uh, I'm just trying to pull up where those quotes are. Uh, okay, I think they are here. Um, this comes from uh, Prairie Dictor, at Prairie Dictor, P-R-A-E-R-I-E-D-I-K-T-E-R at Predictor, who writes, uh, Benson County, North Dakota, has a population of... Oh, this is a different point that she's making here. She just said that it has a population of 6,660 and is 1,381 square miles, and the last election uh, had one polling site, which is a different point. For, we'll get to that one in a minute. But the, what, uh, the, I do see these figures as I'm poking around the Internet um, the, of, uh, of people who, don't, who are registered to vote uh, but don't... Um, but don't have any kind of ID cards in in places where they are currently required, which is in many states. Okay, well, about half the states require some sort of ID to register at all, um, and, and about half of them have no requirement whatsoever, um, and, and that that's fine. And yeah, that there's 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 a the NCL uh, or NCSL website, National Conference of State Legislatures, uh, has a list. Uh, of who currently requires photo ID, who requires strict photo ID, who requires non-photo ID, and, and between those three, that's about half the state. Let me include someone in our conversation because I think they may be helpful. It's not Linda. Uh, we're going to go to, um, is that say Bing, Massachusetts? We're going to go to Massachusetts because we have an election warden who may be able to... Uh, I, I, I remember. You do? I, I remember uh, him chiming in on it. Okay, hold on. Let me see if I do it. If I push... Okay, that holds there. Okay, hello there. Hello. Hi, who's this? This is Bing. Bing? Oh, you're Bing. Hi, Bing. Where in Massachusetts are you? 
I'm in the greater Boston area. Uh-huh. And Brett, are so you still on the line? Big city. Yes, yes, I am. All right, so we've got Boston. So let's let's hear from Bing for a little bit. Thank you. So you're an election you're, you're an election warden. Uh, yes. we've been talking about registrars, we've been talking about uh supervisors, but warden has a particularly punitive sound to it. <laughs> yeah, it sounds very important, doesn't it? Well, it just sounds like if I don't have my hall pass, I'm in trouble. Oh, it's true. It's true. Um, no, I'm a, I'm an election warden in the greater Boston area, which essentially means that I am the lady behind the table who crosses your name off the list and hands you a ballot. Okay. That's a good job. That, that's my, well, one well, of that, Does that yeah. also mean, does that conversely mean that if someone's name on, isn't on the list, you have to say your name isn't on the list and they have to, they have to go away? Uh, no, they don't go away. Uh, Massachusetts is a state where we have something called a provisional ballot. And uh, technically speaking, if you go to any poll uh, location in the state of Massachusetts, you can ask for a provisional ballot, and we will give you one, and you will fill it out, and you will hand it back to us. And it won't go in the ballot box. What it'll do is it'll go to City Hall, where they will research your claim to be able to vote in that warden precinct. The only place you'll be allowed to vote, the only place where your vote will actually be counted, is in the one place you are registered to do so. So if you're in Broward County... All of a sudden, that provisional vote, because nobody cares about the provisional votes the rest of the team. You go back. I mean, I guess if it's within, if there's a, I guess if there's a reek, if there's an automatic recall because it's too close, then that provisional vote doesn't matter because it, it gets discarded and they have to either do another provisional vote or, uh, right? Is that, am I right about yeah, that? Yeah. Well, usually the, the kind of funny anecdote that's brought up in our training, and we have an hour to two hour training once a year for every election cycle, because warden is something I only do when there is an election. I have a full-time job that I actually take a vacation day from to go and do this. Um, is that the government doesn't uh, doesn't pay for that day? No, the government totally pays for that day. It's just that... What no, I mean, your, your work... There's some discussion that like elections should happen on on a day off, like it, it should be like a banking holiday, but an election holiday, so that people don't have to work so hard with their working schedules to get there, and people like you who volunteer oh. don't have to. Uh, I am so sorry. Hold on. There's a helicopter going overhead. Let me go inside. That's because you're a warden. See, she's called in the. Uh... Brett, go ahead and fin- I think we lost her for a second. She'll come back. Uh, she'll probably call back in a minute. Go ahead and uh, and and finish your thought about uh, requiring. ID. I, I, I just feel that uh, in, in today's society, you got to have an ID to do almost anything. Uh, you know, the idea that if you're too poor to afford an ID, uh, then it becomes a poll tax. I, I think is disingenuous. Um, you know, we can we can uh, attach a photo ID to your registration right there and take care of that problem. A photo ID. Sure. You get a registration card. Why not put a photo on it? What about when you get a driver's license, you can get a little little punch on there or something. Oh, but, but, yeah, register then, whatever. You know, Social I mean, Security there's, there's, card. There's a, there's a way that we can do drives, this, and we, and we can do it for a minimal amount of uh, of cost. And, you know, if we're willing to spend several trillion dollars for health care to cover, you know, 20 million people who don't have it, then, you know... But you think maybe that's we too high? Do that you don't want to add more sure money to health care. Maybe we can do that to make sure everybody can vote and... And who's uh, who's who's covered as being who they say they are? It will cut down on fraud. It'll cut down on uh, the possibility that somebody who's not supposed to be voting votes. Uh, make sure the people are in the right areas when they're supposed to be. Being obviously not everyone votes, but what about the people who can't afford or it's inconvenient for them to go get a uh, a voter ID card or? You, know, reg- you can make it so you can register at the polling place then. You're going to go vote. 
Got what about absentee? Entry. What about absentee ballots or people in the military or? Uh, people make it so you got to have an ID to get your absentee ballot. All right, Brad, hold on, wait, Bing. What do you think? I uh, I think that all of these ideas are great ideas unless you actually happen to work in a polling location. And I really think anyone talking about requiring photo identification or on-site voter registering really needs to take a day off from work and come and sit for 15 hours in a room Be happy and check to. people's names off and hand out ballots. Well, there don't many states already require that. We already require it in Florida. <laughs> require require what people to mandatorily volunteer work at the polls? No, no, no. Require an ID, ID, a photo ID to get to but to be able to to be able to vote. Can't vote without no, photo we, ID. We don't we don't require a photo identification in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. On the off chance you do need to re uh, identification, basically we need something with your name and your address on it. So a utility bill will work. Right. That's uh, what we do. Card statement. But requiring a photo identification is. In my opinion, it is a poll tax, and I do consider it a hardship. We want more people to vote. We don't want to turn people away from voting. We don't want to make it harder. I can tell you. What if the what if it's the government's responsibility to issue issue those, like you know, like before you have to pay a nickel in taxes, we have to make sure you have your voter ID card if you're registered. Exactly. Um, we, we can transfer that cost <laughs> in to a, somebody. In a perfect world where our government did exactly what it was supposed to do, I would say yes. For me, the great experience. Brett, I, I think I'm agree. Uh, even though I think you're making a stronger case right now uh, than than okay. Bing is, Brett, I think I agree with the, her because. The devil's in the details, and when there are a lot of people in a small place and it's volunteers organizing it, it's not like there's a uniform way of conducting these. The states are in charge of them themselves. Right? The states are in charge, right, of conducting the, the elections? Yeah, but they're in charge based on the fact that the federal government has put them in charge of it. The National Voter Registration Act is, is a national act. Uh, it could very easily be changed to include the requirement for ID. And, you know, I, it doesn't even have to be really photo. I want to see two forms of solid ID. Two forms. If we you do can't, if you can't provide a photo ID. ID, then yeah, two forms of ID. Oh, okay. I was picturing like either, your driver's either, license and a credit card. Either or, I'd be I'd be happy if you bring up your uh, your you know if, if if you've got a if you've got a passport that'll work. If you've got your birth certificate and a social security card that'll work. So what if you're? I mean, I always think of the South because it was a civil rights movement when the or and before you know the history of the South uh, where you know uh, freed slaves and you know just impoverished people. I always think of the South for some reason, even though it exists all over the place. But but uh, let, but put yourself in the mind of somebody there who uh, is unemployed, who doesn't drive, who you know. Uh, you know, when I was unemployed, I managed to have a driver's license. Yeah, well, well, uneducated. What about uneducated people? Would you say uneducated people shouldn't vote? Uh, uneducated people have to be educated enough to be able to vote. And if you can figure out a butterfly ballot, you can certainly figure out how to get an ID. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that. I don't know if you if you may not have to understand the entire butterfly ballot to sort of go like I I like that guy because he came to my town and I heard him talk, so I just have to find his name and make sure I punch the, the hole right next to him yeah, or her. You know, Louisiana, Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, Kansas, Indiana, Pennsylvania, Michigan, South Dakota, and Idaho all managed to do it with an ID that requires a photo. So and 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 you got a uh, half a dozen other states that are on their way to doing that and waiting for permission to do so. Well, all right, here you go. We I have to go to break, Brett. But let me just say this, Bing. I don't please. I know Brett has a meeting he's going to go there to, but, go. but but Bing, I hope you don't go away because I, I want to get some more of your expertise on this. We have another call coming in. I'm so excited. We're going to go to break. I would just say this. That the ideal world that Bing says she would go into agreement with, that Brett is trying to to outline, you know, outline. There's we exist in space and time today. Uh, 
and that ideal world perhaps exists sometime in the future and the trick is to build the bridge from here to there and what order of laws get passed and what uh, the way in which mechanically and culturally those things become uh, absorbed into the voting culture of this country that's um, uh, the uh, that's I think the most constructive way to have the conversation I think um, then you know Ideal, ideally, whether you should or shouldn't isn't as much important as, like, how would we do it? Brett, thank you. We'll talk to you next week. I'm sure, All Bing, right. hang on if you can. Linda, right, I see you're there from Ohio. We'll be back right after the break. You're listening to the Toad Hop Network, radio worth watching. What's up, Toad Heads? It's Frank Kramer, Heidi Hamilton. Hey, everybody. From the Heidi and Frank Show. Reminding you that if you have satellite radio, you can check us out every single Wednesday at 6 p.m. Pacific time on Extreme Talk Channel 165. 9 p.m. 9 p.m. Eastern. Uh, on the East Coast, yeah, on Extreme Talk XM 165. And if you don't have satellite radio, well, you're on the Toad Hop Network. So why not check out the Heidi and Frank Show, the backbone of the whole thing. 10 a.m. to noon every single week. The premium package. But you can listen for free every day, 10 a.m. to noon Pacific time. Check us out, Heidi and Frank. .com. What's up, everybody? It's Daryl Wright from The Right Turn. We are doing The Right Turn live July 28th, 8 p.m. Me, Danny Sparks, Nasty Nate Newcomb, Lloyd Collins is in the house. Special guest. I ain't going to tell you who it is, but they'll be drunk, too. Go to ToadHopNetwork.com. Look at the banner ad. Click it and just get your tickets for just $10. It's just $10, guys. ToadHopNetwork.com and also TheLovers.com. $10 tickets. Come out. Join us 8 p.m. July 28th. It's vodka time in the house and it's that kind of party guys come out and join us listening to the toad hop network radio worth watching welcome back to vox populi the voice of the occasionally interested people Ladies and gentlemen, we are back. Vox Populi, voice of the occasionally interested people. If you want to call in and join this debate, this conversation, this exciting exchange of ideas, 888-520-4374. Bing, I'm going to come back to you real quick. Bing, can you hear me? I can. Hi. Good. Okay. So, um, all right. So the the exchange, I actually think you and Brett are... Like I think you'd agree if you talked a little bit longer with each other and, and it got down to pragmatics, but um, but let's hear um, let's hear. I want to hear how people cheat, how the system cheats, how the how the candidates or their campaigns or corporations or interests or you know ne'er do wells. Like, tell me, you you work at the polls. How do people cheat? I've never seen it. Ha! Well, it's because it's never- it's blue blood country where you're from. <laughs> there, there's an old uh, there's a, there's a. A respect, a different kind of respect. Come on, somebody doesn't take one of those, 
one of those boxes and accidentally stick it in their pickup truck and drive the other way? No, no. Unfortunately, I mean, maybe it's just a symptom of working in a warden precinct as tiny as my warden precinct. And we have about, I don't know, 1,500 people in my warden precinct, and we're kind of in a little suburb on the outside of Boston. Um, and and really, we don't get enough people coming in to vote to necessitate cheating. Uh, all right, all right, fair like enough. All of, all of these, all of these people talking about voter fraud and how a terrible thing voter fraud is, and I completely agree with them. I think voter fraud is very terrible. Um, but I don't think enough people come out to vote uh, just on their own. I've I've never had somebody try to pull a fast one on me. I think the uh, well, it's not just only- uh, it's not just the voters I'm talking about. I'm also talking about like the bigger, the legal, you know, stuff requiring big legal action. Like, you know, we, um, well, we, I mean, support, voter, purging voter rolls is one, you know, legal way, I guess, that, uh, that certain machinations can happen. Um, in, in, in that instance, I would say that for the past few years, the, uh, city of Boston has had a suit, I believe, with the Justice Department concerning the appearance or lack thereof of translators at voting stations. And hmm. for a while, um, I, hey, I Brett, if you're out there, do you think people should have to speak English to vote? <laughs> Sorry. Go, all right, go ahead. My, my response to that question usually is, what happens if ASL is that person's first language? They're not speaking English. Does that mean they shouldn't be allowed to vote? Right. That's yeah. Well, no, of course. I mean, yeah. uh, the ba- I, don't, I don't think the ballot should have to be written in a different language. But, I, you know, so I think people should be able to, have to be able to identify uh, or, you know, maybe, I don't know, bring my... Uh, if you're a new citizen to the country, mm-hmm. right? That's the, or if you, re- I don't know, I don't know. Interesting. Love to hear thoughts on it, that. For uh, for me, at least in in that regard, you know, to completely sidetrack things, the way the questions on lots of ballots are are written. I mean, you've got people who are native English speakers who have lived in the United States their entire life. They were born here. It's the only language that they speak. And sometimes those things are worded in such a way that they don't even know what's on there. I, I got an English degree. I can't understand them when they're over here. I mean, they, I, I, my I, wife I, and I sit in it's triple speak. We can't. We barely understand the uh, the different referendums and things. All right, let me. I want to ask you just a basic question. Sure. Do you believe, Bing, in Massachusetts, election warden, <laughs> that our presidential elections accurately reflect the will of the people? Um. I believe that they reflect the will of the Electoral College, who then reflect, hopefully, depending on the state, uh, the will of the percentage of people who decided to get out of the House that day. So, in no, we're sense, all, you have yes, to, that's the that, will of the people, but only the people who showed up. That's an, an, an election conceit is it's a snapshot in a moment. Which is why it's so scary because everything, you know, you can be trending and all the, you know, whatever's going for months and months and months in a certain direction and then bang, one thing can happen. A, God forbid, a terrorist attack or some market crash or some, you know, disclosure of a infidelity or something, some foible or something like that. And all of a sudden things can flip on end. But, but I want to, what I'm asking is an election law, uh, election culture question, which is, uh, let's, let's go with Massachusetts because you brought up a, a yeah. good point that it depends, you know, depending on the state. Do you think, that the will of the people of Massachusetts, for example, in the last election, well, how about in, in, in the Bush in 2000, do you think it, or with Kerry? Do you think Kerry was, he probably carried Massachusetts by a landslide, I'm guessing, in his election. Uh, um, I can't remember, but anyhow, the, uh, just because he's from Massachusetts, but, but, uh, okay, so do you think the will of the people, as it existed at that moment in time, that day, was accurately reflected in the results? 
Oh, you're asking me for a yes or no answer for a question I don't have a yes or no answer for. Um, well, just characterize I, your feeling. I, I want to say yes. I want to say because I believe in the process and I believe in the right to vote. I mean, this is this is the reason I'm a warden um, because I looked at both of the parties, or I should say three, because we have three recognized parties in Massachusetts, um, and I, I couldn't find one I supported enough to want to volunteer for that I called City Hall and tried to volunteer to work the polls. And then they told me, no, I'm sorry, we have to pay you. <laughs> no, you're going to pay me for something I was willing to do for free. Well, all right. Um, well, it creates an obligation, a legal obligation on your part if they yeah. pay you. So, no, no, okay, so, but... I appreciate that. <laughs> so it's fair to say, uh, just to try and maybe characterize what you're saying a little bit and tell me yeah. if I'm, this is accurate. There is, there are anomalies, there yeah. is human error, but whatever percentage of that exists, you still yeah. believe and you're you're sort of you feel comfortable that the result reflects well the people in Massachusetts. Yeah. All right. Well that's a good sign. That's a good sign. We'll take that as a as a positive because most of the people on the on the uh, with Twitter you you say you know I gave people a multiple choice. Do you think elections are free and are elections in this country are A free and fair, B corrupt, C uh, do we still have elections in this country? And D, all or some of the above. So, uh, so you're basically saying either they, they, they a, they're basically free and fair elections, I, or at least yeah, in your, like in Massachusetts. Like to, I like to believe so, yeah. And do you look across at Florida and just think people come on? Uh, I look across at Florida and I think sometimes that they should have their election day on a different day than the one I'm working, and I will go down and and work their election for them. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you have uh, you have what we call uh, you have an enlisted eyes view of this situation. I, I really appreciate you calling the show and, and sharing your uh, your perspective. If you think of something else, don't be don't hesitate to tweet or call back. Okay. Oh no problem. Have a good one. All right, bye, Bing. I'm now going to Linda in Ohio. Hi, Linda. Hi, Sean. How are you? Good. Good. So Brett sounded off. Yeah. Did you I hear him? I heard him, and I couldn't let it go. Well, let's go. Let's hear it. But Brett thinks that in this country, in the modern era, you need to have uh, a, a, a picture ID uh, or show two forms of other ID in order to uh, cast your vote. You think not. Well, I find it um, ironic that Brett, who is, as far as I know, an avowed um, libertarian, wants to regulate something that is not proven to be an issue. As Bing pointed out, she has seen no problems with um, voter fraud. In her, in her precinct. In her, in her precinct, and I don't think there's any significant voter fraud at the polling booth with someone showing up who is not a U.S. citizen and not eligible to vote. No one has shown me any statistics that shows that that's a significant but problem. But we're, ta- we're talking about a bigger, you know, a whole group of possible infractions or, or you know, cheating or law-breaking, not, oh, not just that kind of... Thing, but, but you know, but I'm talking specifically about having an ID. That's what having an ID stops. It stops someone from showing up at the polling booth who is not eligible to vote, and that simply is not a problem. However, it is documented that many people, including people who have voted many times in the past all their lives, are unable to get the needed documentation. Some of that documentation in some states is very strict in terms of what you need in order to get an ID to be able to vote. And it's just simply putting a roadblock that is 
meant to prevent something, that's not a problem. All right, so given the, uh, the, the civil discourse is the, is the basic thing, I think irony is the wrong choice of words there in, okay. in, in, that, in, this, uh, in this forum. But I, I was also surprised that he, uh, that he didn't mind the expense. You know, I think it's fair for the government to absorb the expense if we were to do something like that. I mean, otherwise, I think the poll tax issue and so forth. Uh, it, so and he didn't mind that, and he, he, he invoked an example of uh, the amount of money we're willing to spend on health care and so forth. So I, th- I think he sort of, you know, we, I was interrupting him, and he was talking to Bing, so I'm prepared to, uh, to let, let Brett stop, think, and, and make his case. I think that what he has, and, Bre- and Brett, you need to jump on, an, uh, on Twitter and tell me that I'm wrong with this next thing I'm going to say, but I think it's a gesture. I think what he really likes about it, and maybe not, but, uh, but the thing that appeals to me about it is that it's a moment where you say, I'm proud to hold up this thing. I am, I am in. I'm pot committed. I'm a citizen, and, I, and, and I'm proud to go to my booth and show this, ta- show this card with my picture on it. And, and I think he just likes that, there's, uh, that it's a declaration of people's faith in the system and their commitment to the system that they're willing to do whatever little thing they have to do to get their card is. What do you think of that? I think that's very nice, but again, it's not always easy for people to do that. And um, a few days ago, I posted a link to personal stories by person after person who could not get the required ID because of name changes, um, loss of documentation. Um, again, some of these states have very strict requirements on what you must. What do you have. think about people? Do you think people should be required? Do you think we should make it compulsory? Compulsory to vote? Yeah. Australia is compulsory. Yeah, I have sort of mixed feelings on that. I'm not sure. I mean, we need to do something to get more people to the polls, and requiring photo IDs is not the way to do it. Again, it's it's it's, sol- you know, there's this it's thing trying that- to solve a problem that doesn't exist, that no one has shown me exists. Yes, there are cases of voter fraud. Yes, there are cases of, of elections being rigged. Um, you know, I've seen some of that personally. Uh, I go, yeah, tell me, give me a good, give me a good, uh, a good example. A good example that's kind of, is yeah. in the 2004 election. I live in a rural area. Uh, when I went to vote, uh, I had to wait about five minutes. Uh, it's a conservative rural area. I go to where I work, which is a liberal town, um, and people were waiting uh, one and a half to two hours to vote. Yeah, they, and longer in other counties, it was like three, four, five hours. That was just so. Right. That was yeah. That just, yeah, misall- misallocation by a Republican um, Secretary of State. Right. Well, I'm sure um, Republicans would point and, out Democrats would, who do a similar would, thing. Well, sure, and and it can happen both ways. But that's we, we can't problem. have this conversation without saying the word acorn. And we don't have to say anything about it. No. You just got to say the word acorn. <laughs> you got to say Catherine Harris and acorn. Now go, go off into the woods and argue the. Uh, it just seems to me and to everybody that. In an age where it's so hard to find common ground on how to provide health care, how much is, is the, the, we can absorb, how big the defense budget should be, whether we should go to war or not, how, you know, states do, you know, all the, all the things that it's impossible to agree on. One thing that every single solitary human being, citizen of this country should agree on, I say must agree on, is that we should have fast, clean, safe, fair, transparent, totally legit, totally authentic elections that accurately reflect the will of the people. I'll do you one more on, on Brett's thought. I, I'm, I'm sort of trying to channel my inner Brett, but, uh, so I could be totally off the reservation but, but with what he's saying. But the, the 
in order to, and I get into this a little bit with Adnil, which we'll start, uh, we'll take a little break in a minute and we'll do my, do, do my, my interview with Adnil Foyle, the NBA, uh, star who's just incredible. And we, we kind of go into one, one thought about this as it relates to people running for office or people who are going to hold office. <laughs> but one of the things the founding fathers were scared of <laughs> is that the masses would vote in a way that was maybe counter to their own interests out of passion, out of ignorance, out of who knows. So they tried to find a balance between this idea of liberty and responsibility in the way they structure the government. That's the way I see it. And so the, the, I think for Brett and for others, the idea that you have to do something like as simple as figure out how to get a card, maybe it'll mean that whatever vote you're going to cast will be the, the, the intelligence or the, the capacity to do that will be reflected in your vote. Because you say we need to get more people out to the polls, and of course I agree with you, but you sort of go, you don't want a bunch of people racing to the polls who don't have an, a, a genuine opinion or don't know why, you know, are, are only voting because it's, it's compulsory and so they're just going to vote for whoever they want and kind of skew this. You, you'd like to think that over time as the, as the government improves itself and the people and society and civilization improve, it's, improve itself, that, that more people means better results. Um, but, but, Sean, you're making the assumption that the people who are having a hard time getting IDs are having that hard time because they don't have the commitment. And, and that, I think, is a false assumption. I think there are a number of reasons. Well, I think it's a dynamic. I don't know if it's an assumption as much as it, as it is. A di- I'm, what I'm talking about is a, is a feeling. <laughs> You know, people, people, you know, uh, former slaves would make their mark, right? Or whatever, when mm-hmm. they, they wouldn't, uh, and, and had no formal education to speak of and would vote their instinct or vote their, their peer group or vote the, uh, And that's a, a valid reason to vote for a particular person or cause or whatever as anything else. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it, it can be. It can be. Uh, you know, I mean, it's. I love. I. I. I wish that this kind of conversation was more popularly held because what happens is, I think, as soon as you start to free associate ideas that might work or not work, you marginalize yourself because because the the conversation that's out there, people are so entrenched in the thing that they saw that they know is wrong or the thing that they know is right to protect it that we're we're not all into this. You know, I'm not sure that we have the be- the best, and that's why I love this this conversation. And you, you know, Linda, you're you're always so uh, precise with your thinking on these things, and you, your logic flows from one thing to the next. Um, but I I feel like I feel like maybe it's not a bad thing to find some way. Maybe a registration card isn't uh, the answer, but to encourage. Um, more active, informed voting. Oh, and that's, and of course, everybody wants that. Of course, everybody wants that. All right. Well, maybe the uh, maybe a, a registration card isn't right. All right. So, getting there is hard, though. Uh, it is. It's all the devils in the details. Each step mm-hmm. takes uh, takes takes time. I. Um, you know, I, I. I'll tell you this story. The and and the the audience, the listening audience, this story. When Lord of the Rings came out. Um, and well before Lord of the Rings, one of my one of my heroes, my political heroes, and please, if you're on the other side of the aisle, don't just disconnect, okay? I'm totally open to understanding the the mistakes of this person uh, and the and people's negative opinion about this person. But I love Jimmy Carter. I know that he makes uh, 
Jewish people furious with his books sometimes. I know that he, uh, you know, he seems he was soft on defense. He couldn't, you know, or, uh, uh, that was his the knock on him. Whatever. I love that the guy's vocabulary, if not even his decision making, his vocabulary for peace, for trying to get people to see things uh, from the other guy's shoes, the Camp David Accords, mm-hmm. the way he goes around the world trying to observe with his with his uh, Carter Center the elections of of uh, you know, new countries or countries that are you know historically corrupt, and and I just I just love his mission for peace and democracy and the way that he tries to apply it. He's not a perfect guy, but I love him. And I would tell the different congressional people that I knew about him, and that I was you know hoping to meet him. I'd love to meet him. I'd love to meet him is what I'd say. And and then finally, at a certain point, I got a formal letter, handwritten by President Carter to my home, and he. Uh, said that he, in the letter, that he understood that I was interested in the work of the Carter Center, uh, which uh, was true, I guess, but I, like, just wanted to talk to him, but, but that was true too, um, cause they do great work with the elections and whatnot. Uh, you know, and I loved Habitat for Humanity and everything he's done there. But anyhow, and he and Rosalind and Amy had all watched the Lord of the Rings movie and they really, had, they had read the books together and they, they loved it and they would, they would, uh, receive me and my family at the Carter Center. And I don't think my feet touched the ground for a week. <laughs> so we get, we finally, you know, skip forward in the story. We, we get there and, um, we go in to meet him and I, I'm just nervous. I can't even, I'm so nervous. And Allie, my oldest is probably five at the time. And, you know, uh, my mom's bipolar and, and, uh, Mrs. Carter's done great work with, uh, mental health advocacy and stuff. So I kind of sit down on the couch and start talking to her. And out of the corner of my eye, I see the Al, this is just an anecdote, but I see that Allie has, has, sort of taken a few steps. Little kids usually stay right close to their parents, but she's taken a few steps sort of away from her mother by herself uh, and look, she's noticed on the table next to the couches this wooden bowl, this wooden carved bowl. And uh, she says, oh, that's very pretty. Well, well, President Carter went over, the two of them talked for 15 minutes about the artist, who, the, the, the culture where it came from and the person that he knows that designed the bowl and carved it. And, and I'm sitting there going, my kid just connected with this guy about, you know, about something that he's really passionate about. And I'm sitting here scratching my head. And then later, a few hours later, a few, an hour later, we were downstairs in their thing and we were having a potluck dinner, which is so classic. It was like not a, uh, a banqueted kind of thing. It was potluck. Everybody brought their, their, you know, Ambrosia or whatever they wanted to bring. And I'm sitting with President Carter and the question that I thought to ask him, the first question, I guess is an obvious question, but it's sort of, I didn't know what I was going to ask. Actually, I asked two questions. The first question was, I said, what are you, uh, how do you design your day? Like, what do you, how do you know what you're going to do? And he said, oh, well, and then he listed minute by minute exactly how he organizes his day from like six in the morning to five. He just, he just, you know, such and such a time for, for, uh, emails, such and such a time to talk on the phone, such and such a time to do this. He has a meeting with a thing. He goes there. I was just floored. Like, no wonder the guy, like that, that meticulous, you know, my schedule. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing later. But <laughs> anyhow, the other, the other, uh, thing that I asked him was, Mr. President, do you, and I use these words advisedly. I chose these words very carefully in that moment. I said, Mr. President, do you believe that we are, because we, you know, this was a year after the Bush v. Gore thing. Do you believe that we are capable of having a free and fair election in this country? And his eyes opened up so wide. The only thing, it, it reminded me of, um, 
you know, like the way a shark rolls its eyes back in its head a little bit. He just got this, but even, but like, but like, like Frodo, he, he had, he, all of a sudden he used Elijah Wood's eyes for a second and, and he kind of tilted his head back and took this deep breath in because it was like, it, it was, it was, it was right to his core. I asked like the question is what I felt like. He was probably just taking a breath, but anyhow, he, uh, he said, yes, uh, I believe we can. I believe we can. Not, yes, of course we do. Not, well, historically we have. Mm-hmm. I believe, meaning faith in God, <laughs> you know, that we can. Not that we will, not that we're likely to, but it is physically possible. And, uh, and I just thought that that was, um, I was so blown away by, by that just little sentence that he wrote. And, and it made me feel like everybody has to triple their efforts to do the right thing, you know, to, to, to help with these elections. So, Linda, thank you as always for calling in. You're, I hope you and Brett continue to uh, to spar with one another and to include others in your conversation and keep giving the... the he's so great at putting... Uh, you know, uh, 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 studies up there and you give these great examples and I just think, uh, you know, at Sean Aston Fan and what's his? Uh, CB underscore Demented. C... Uh, B is in boy? Yeah. Uh, CB underscore demented. Yeah, so uh, so everybody keep an eye out for those two. Linda, thank you so much. Okay, thank you, Sean. Bye bye for now. Uh, Okay, everybody, we're going to... I'm going to start... How long do we have before break? Uh... They are scheduling issues for the next show. Okay. Well, okay. Well, here's the thing. The uh, we'll, we'll know. I'll vamp for another little bit with a story that'll carry us to the uh, to the end because the, my summer hours hour is up, and that we may have another show that they have to play. Um, I do want to plug uh, another show. Uh, come see Daryl Wright and Danny Sparks do their show, The Right Turn, W-R-I-G-H-D, live on stage at the John Lovitz Comedy Club, Saturday, July 28th at 8 p.m. Purchase tickets at thelovitz.com or toadhopnetwork.com. And if you call 888-520-4374 right this second, I will give you two free tickets. First person to call in on that. Uh, okay, so that's my job for the radio station. And uh, well, there was something else you wanted me to do for the radio station. What else do you want me to do? That's it? Okay, good. So, Adam O'Foyle, oh, my, my interview that I really want to play, but I'm going to hold it until I know that we have uh, more time coming up. I will tell a story of my election. I Well, an election I participated in. Actually, I've, done two, I've really had two big elections. One, I ran for student body president of the eighth grade at St. Paul the Apostle. And I was a campaign manager for uh, Dan Adler for Congress from the 36th District of California during a special election to replace um, to replace uh, uh, Jane Harmon, Congresswoman Harmon, uh, who left under interesting circumstances. Interesting in that she got a better job offer and she took it, <laughs> one with longer prospects that she didn't have to work as hard. She went to run uh, run the uh, the Wilson Center. Anyhow. Um, um, so those were two really interesting vantage points from which to view the nature of elections. The um, I had just I'll tell I'll tell the the uh, the St. Paul's one when I was in the eighth grade. Uh, it doesn't have to do with election law. Uh, and by the way, I have more stuff to talk about on that. But I'm really happy that we got that conversation going. But anyhow, um, I decided that I wanted to run for student body president, and I was one of the very few non-Catholics in the school. Uh, I think I was agnostic or I was just sort of nothing. Um, you know, my dad was uh, kind of a secular, I guess, and, and uh, he ultimately became a, a, 
a Buddhist slash atheist. My mom was a, a Catholic slash uh, she was she described her as a woo herself as a woo woo Shirley Clay Shirley McLean person at one point. But anyhow, at that point when I was in the whatever fifth grade, sixth grade, seventh grade, uh, I was uh, I didn't have a religious affiliation. But um, I loved my time at uh, St. Paul's because I was actually learning. I'd gone to public school and hadn't done as well at public school, and, and uh, I liked wearing the uniforms because I didn't have to worry about other people not liking what I wore. Anyhow, I had been fortunate enough to star in a little-known motion picture called The Goonies. And The Goonies, uh, we had finished filming, but the movie had not come out yet. And now I'm going to butcher this. I'm just going to get it wrong. So I'm going to tell it apocryphally, and then anybody else from St. Paul's or Sister Sella or anybody who knows how eighth grade elections run can call me and say that I'm totally wrong. But I, I memory, if memory serves, you you hold the vote at the end of the seventh grade year and you start at the beginning of the eighth grade year or something like that. Anyhow, whatever it is, I... Uh, <laughs> I when when I decided to run, they said you can have your signs on this day, and you can give your speech on that day. So I went and I got my uh, my a, a a little box of those signs, like those little, you know, my name is signs. Hello, my name is that you have it like at a conference, and uh, and I and I would write, you know, Sean for president, Sean for president, Sean for president. My hand started. I had like 150 of them, and uh, I'm writing them out. And finally, uh, Mac comes over, and our neighbor friends come over, and they're all helping me write it. Finally, we just truncate it, and this is well in advance of the uh, the Twitter age. Sean number four, P R E S period, Sean for Prez. Um, how we doing? Five minutes. Okay, so we'll do the Admiral uh, Foyle uh, interview next uh, next week. We'll have this be a two parter, maybe even a three parter on elections and election law and election culture because uh, it's a topic I love so much. Um, but anyway, I have to finish this this story. So I I get all those things out, and then I go to get my picture, and the only picture I can find is this goofy picture where I'm sitting with my knees up by my chest, and I've got these long socks on, and I just look like I don't know, so so not right, and my hair's real poofy, and I went down to Jack's camp. In uh, in Westwood Village, and they were charging a fortune to do a blow up, and I, I you know I was like 150 bucks, and I didn't have my parents were like listen we'll give you 40 bucks so you know you can do so I ended up with a picture that was I don't know something by something and not that big. I show up on the on the yard the day of the uh, the campaign day, and there's this big wall, and I set my picture up that from 10 feet away you can't see who it is, and I go and I have two or th- and I, I myself actually I don't even think I had anybody help me I was so pitiful, and I'm handing out uh, the things can and some people are like oh no thanks. You know, okay, thanks. Or I would look at somebody and I'd think, oh, I don't think they want to get it for me, so I won't give them my name for Prez. And I don't think anybody, I don't think one person actually, like, put it on. You know, they all kind of held it and, you know, stuck it in their backpack or threw it away or whatever. And then, uh, and then here comes, here comes a van, and the van backs up onto the yard, and you open the van, and out comes this huge pole with a styrofoam letter, big, giant, you know, half the size of me, letter C painted gold with glitter on it and then another one comes out oh and another one and and bobby conka and his mom and his friends had done these things so you had people going around the yard going conka 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 and then and all these letters were dancing around spelling out conka and then, and then uh, and then i look over and doug cooper who ultimately went to uh to notre dame a school i like because of rudy uh he had a basket of chocolate and other things with a little doug for president uh, ribbon tied beautiful around it and they were handing those out to people i knew i was toast so then we go to give our our speeches the next day at the upper social hall and i'm in the upper social hall and i I think i go first and my speech is i stand up and say uh 
I promise that if you... Now, nobody knew what I... I was just gone for six months doing Goonies. Nobody knew what it was. Nobody knew that it was a movie. Nobody knew it would be this big thing. I was just gone. So I said, I, I promise that if you elect me president, I won't do another movie in my eighth grade year because I really want to be student body president. And I meant it. And, uh, and I promise that I'll show up every day and that I'll do my best and that when I'm making the announcements over the loudspeaker, I'll be really clear and loud because sometimes you couldn't hear them. They're talking too fast. That's all I knew that I do. And I promise when I'm talking with Sister Stella, or people on student council, I will. Uh, I'll be fair. I'm pretty sure. I don't know if there's video of it. You can you can uh, YouTube the video and say that's not what you said at all. But but that's what I think I said. And uh, there was you know the one hand you know a lot of <coughs> papers rapping and rapping and and people one person clapping in the back or that and the polite applause. Then. Bobby Conka gets up and goes, who wants less homework? Who wants to have free dress day on Fridays? Who wants to get out? You know, everybody's up on their feet and cheering. I didn't make the runoff. And I didn't ask for a recall. There we go, ladies and gentlemen. Part one of what I've just this moment decided is a three-part series on election law. Um, thank you to Mr. Ice in the back room and the phones. Thank you, Gint. Thank you to the callers, Bing, and uh, and and Linda and Brett. Uh, thank you to Christine for pulling pictures. Thank you to Mac McKenzie for pulling some great pictures. Um, you can become a friend of the show if you go to at. Uh, no, no. If you go to www.voxpopuliradio.com, you can become a friend of the show and and uh, give twenty bucks and get a bracelet, a Vox Populi bracelet, and an autographed picture from me. And we're going to use it to spend money on uh, some good stuff for the show. Thanks very much, everybody. My name is Sean Aston. I am out. Go learn about the election in your district. You're listening to the Toad Hop Network, radio worth watching. Hey, it's Heidi and Frank for scorebig.com. There's been two ways to get tickets up until now. You can go to the venue or team site and buy your tickets directly, or you could go to the big ticket sellers, the scalpers, if the tickets for the really big events are sold out. And you can pay way, way over face value. Who wants to do that? Who would do Nobody. that? Nobody! That's stupid. You don't have to do that anymore, thanks to scorebig.com.